That's why that was a good a payoff. I, I have to tell you, <laughs> of all the places this could have gone, that's actually not bad. That was a good payoff. Welcome once again to 32 Thoughts, the podcast presented as always by the GMC Sierra. Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, Dom Shramati along with you. Plenty to get to, including, and I can't wait to tell Elliot this moment in the Montana Thought oh, Line. God. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you know who's having a rough week, Elliot? You know who's having a rough week? The New Jersey Devils are having a rough week. They dropped one to the Washington Capitals, and then Thursday night they dropped one to the New York Rangers. In one of those games where by the end of it, you say, I wonder if something is going to happen. This was a particularly violent affair with the New York Rangers. Uh, Matt Rempe with the five in a game for the hit on Nathan Bastion. Uh, Bastion later gets rocked by Jacob Truba. Subsequently, those two fight as well. 5-1 is the final score. Plenty of Rangers fans in the building. We always know how well that goes over in visiting rinks. By the way, Jack Hughes ruining the Igor Shosturkin shutout bid as well. The lone bright spot for the New Jersey Devils in this one. Did you not walk away from that one or flip over to another game and say to yourself, I wonder if it's games like that that really sort of move the needle for a team that may need a move? You know, Jeff, watching this game, there's a lot to unpack after this game. The loss, the physicality of the Rangers, you know, the Rangers fans being all over your building. Uh, but the thing is, I'm sitting there and I'm watching after the Devils are done. Like, this is a game where the Devils outshoot the Rangers and Shesterkin beats them. And then I'm, after this game, I'm watching Calgary-Boston and Markstrom is brilliant. Like in the middle of all the craziness around him, he's brilliant again, and they win after a bonkers overtime. And then I'm watching Nashville and Saros, and the Maelstrom is beginning around Saros, and he beats the Kings in L.A. And when that game is 2-1, to one, Byfield comes in on kind of a semi-breakaway. He's got a pretty clean lane, although there's a Nashville defender around. And Sorrows just calmly snares his shot. Like he looks so composed. In that minute, if you're the Predators, you're looking at Sorrows and you're saying, no matter what happens here, and there's still a couple minutes left, we are not losing this game tonight. And they win. And I think the, the tough sell for the Devils is after a game like that one, when they're so angry about the physicality of the Rangers, Shesterkin beating them, their fans taking over your building. You're sitting there and you're saying, are we not going to go out and get a goalie? And that's the kind of thing I think about. If you're the Devils, you're looking like the fans are all over rough. Um, I think there were some columns written that maybe it's time to change the coach. I think two things. I think they need saves. And we're seeing the holes on their defense. You know, New Jersey made a business decision at the end of last year. It was, we're not going to pay Severson what he wants, and we're not going to pay, pay Graves what they want. And maybe long term, those will turn out to be good decisions. I guarantee to you, the Devils would stand by their decisions. But it doesn't help you right now. You're thinner on defense and when you're thinner on defense and you don't have the great goaltending, everything gets exposed. And I think that's the pressure that hits an organization after a game like that when your fans are mad. They're disheartened. They're angry. You know, it's not exactly revenge for game seven. Like nothing's revenge for game seven. The, the Rangers lost that game. The Devils won that game. It's one of the biggest victories for the Devils and their fans in recent memory. Nothing eliminates that, but it's kind of the reverse of how the Rangers felt after Game 7 last year. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Your fans are sitting there and they're saying, you have to go out and pay the price. 
You have to go out and get a goalie. You have to go out and think about what you can do with the blue line. Because I think the Devils believed it wasn't over, that they could claw their way back into this race, and they kind of did. But now with this weekend, if they don't come out of this weekend with three points, but preferably four, especially the one on Sunday, they're in real trouble. And after last year, this is not the position that you want to be in. You know, Nico Heischer after the game said essentially, and I'm paraphrasing him, we need to park the last two losses because it's not going to be easy from here on in. They'll finish out the month of February by facing off against the San Jose Sharks. And then we're into March. But by then, would you not think that Tom Fitzgerald has not only made some decisions, but also made some moves by then? Listen, we've talked plenty about the Markstrom conversations. We wonder about Noah Hannafin. Now we're wondering about getting physically tougher. Uh, so what happened on Thursday night doesn't happen again to the New Jersey Devils. Like all of a sudden, there's a lot of things on Tom uh, Fitzgerald's plate here, Elliot. The toughness, like Bastion had a really hard night, as as you mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, like, Boy. there's, you know, you're not going to go out and you're not going to get 1980s Dave Semenko. This year, when Toronto felt in that one game, they were pushed around by Boston. The game where Lilligren got hurt. What did they do? They had a team meeting. And one of the things they did was they talked about Tampa. And the thing about Tampa is there have been lots of occasions where the lightning, something's happened to a member of the lightning on the ice and the other four guys just jump on someone or someone nudges Vasilevsky and all five of them jump on someone. And it's not, it's not, you know, Corey Perry when he was there or Gord when he was there, it was Stamkos, it was Point, it was all those guys who were part of it. And, you know, one of the things you notice when Toronto beat Arizona on Wednesday night, you know, Nylander took a shot and he went right back at someone. I think, like, to me, toughness is not, you know, you you line up with, like I said, Dave Semenko, Tory Robertson, and Tiger Williams. Like, it doesn't work like that anymore. But what it is, is it's as a group, everybody stands up for themselves, everybody gets involved. And everybody says, you know, whether I'm the best player or the 17th man, I stand up for myself and my teammates. And like, obviously, you don't want Jack Hughes fighting or anything like that. But you it wouldn't bother you if, you know, their best players got into scrums and said, we're going to stand up for ourselves here. That's what Florida has. Florida, even though they got guys hurt against Carolina, everybody knows what Florida is about. Win or lose, especially if they lose, they're a bunch of sore losers and they don't care that I'm going to call them that. And they're going to take a piece out of you. And I think that that's what Toronto has talked a lot about trying to become more of. For example, we don't have to be 1980s killers, but we have to stand up for ourselves. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils have that kind of a conversation. You know, the Rangers are a big, strong, tough team, and they've had a pretty good week here. All of a sudden, Shesterkin, after a rough start outdoors has had two really good performances against Dallas and now against the Devils. And if you're the Rangers, you're sitting there saying, boy, I hope this is a good, this is where we're going because it's a good sign for us. But the Rangers are a tough team. I'm sure that one of the things the Devils are going to talk about is it's not just about Rempe and Truba. It's about how everybody there stands up for each other. Uh, I thought on the Rempe hit on Nathan Bastion. Look, he's taller than him. You know, than everybody. Than everybody. You know, you know, Rempe Rempe's played less than ten minutes and he's got a billion penalties already. Like Daryl Sutter used to have a saying, at least he's got an identity. That guy already has an identity. But the thing I look the thing I look at is this, Jeff. You can't get the head. 
I don't care how tall you are. You can't get the head. He got the head. And the other thing, too, is if you look at Bastion, he's not materially moving his head at the last second. I get it. One thing the NHL says is as long as the player doesn't move his head on the last second, it's your responsibility as the hitter not to make contact with it. That's Rempe's mistake there. He makes contact with the head. It's on him to avoid it. This brings me to one of my favorite points in the last, the previous generation in hockey. And that is when you look at how hard it is for big men to hit cleanly. Yes. How Zidane Chara did not end up with at least one Lady Bing trophy. Not for how he behaved, but for what he didn't do. Namely, destroy people yep. out there. Like Chara was the master at like you're talking about Rempe and listen, you got to be careful. And he's a big guy. Like Rempe's bigger than everybody. Chara was bigger than everybody. And he didn't distract. I know here come the Montreal Canadiens fans with Max Pacioretty and blah, blah, blah. But like on a day in day out basis, Zdeno Chara knew how to hit like a big man, like maybe nobody else. Like Larry Robinson's in that category. Larry Robinson was Chara before there was Chara. Uh, so I'll always include him in that mix. But it's uh, the Rempy hit today just brings me back to one of my favorite points. But one of my favorite players, and that is, man, for a big guy, Zidane Chara really did know how to hit clean. Fight me, Montreal Canadiens fans. I know you're coming. Um, okay, let's get to a couple of names um, that have been, you know, associated with various teams. And, you know, we do wonder about the New Jersey Devils and we mentioned the goaltending and defense. Um, what's happening with Noah Hannafin? This is going to turn into Han- like Lindholm watch is now turned into Hannafin watch. Because Hannafin only recently did it become clear he was going to be out there. Calgary hadn't given up the hope of signing him now the market is really going for him and I think Toronto's preference is a right-hand shot but they were interested in him however I don't think he's going to extend there I think he's going to the states so I think a bunch of these teams down here are trying to figure out who does he want to extend with? There's been a lot of rumors about Tampa. I just don't think Tampa can make the trade. I I don't see it. Like, like I'm looking at their prospect base. Are they going to trade Isaac Howard? The most stylish player in the draft, Elliot. Yes. Uh, the, he, he, he's Deb, Deb Berminer's white- stylish favorite hockey player. I don't, the white belt was the best. The I, white belt. I don't know that I see that. Like, I don't see that. Um, you know, I was looking up and down their roster. Like, does does Eric Chernak make any sense? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, like I just don't see what the deal is for Tampa Bay that they're going to be able to make with Calgary here. So, like, that's the biggest problem I have with the Lightning. Do I think Hannafin would go there? Yes. Do I think Tampa's interested? Yes. What's the trade? Like, that's the one thing I don't see here is what's the trade? So that's number one. Um, Now, if they get him signed, maybe Tampa just steps up and does something that we're not expecting. But you have to convince me what the trade is. So I think the teams kind of are Boston. And I have one person who keeps sending me DMs. And he says, how come you say, well, Toronto can't do things or Tampa can't do things and Boston and Florida can? And I'm going to just repeat what I said last time. I think there's, I think Boston and Florida have players, not picks, because they don't have picks, but they have players they could move if they choose to that can get them pieces. So again, what is Boston willing to do if they want Hannafin and he'll extend there, I think? I don't know about the Devils. I'm sure they're interested. I just don't know what Hannafin's interest is there. The one team I wonder about is Florida. Now, Florida has a lot of things that they have to deal with. There's Reinhardt, there's Montour, there's Forsling. Um, and, you know, Montour and Reinhardt get a lot of the attention. Do not underestimate how important Forsling is to that team, too. That is a really good player. 
But I wonder. That, by the way, yeah. you you saw that by the way at the beginning of the season when they had Montour out and Aaron Ekblad out. Who was the stud on that blue line? Gustav Forsling. and Ekman Larson. Ekman Larson was really good too. Really good. Uh, but Forsling is is a great player. I, I'm with you. I think he's a, he's a heck of a player. But the one thing there is if. If Hannafin is interested in signing an extension in Florida, you know, like, what does Florida think of that? You know, what, you know, how, like, that's, that's one situation I know there's a couple people kind of wondering. So when you talk about, like, him as a, as, as a non rental, as an extension player, there's Tampa, but what's the trade? There's Boston, there's, Jersey and there's Florida. I think I, I am. I, and I always assume I'm missing someone. Like I said, I, I think Toronto, although they prefer a righty would have been interested, but he's not signing there. And there's no doubt in my mind. I'm missing something. I always know there are scenarios I'm not seeing, but those are the kind of the four teams and everyone's looking at, you know, I think the other thing too, and I said this on Monday's pod, I'll say it again. Um, like, uh, you know, Lundell, I've heard his name out there a little bit. I can't imagine that's something really the Panthers would want to do. But if it was possible, was possible, you know, that kind of player is right up Calgary's wheelhouse. So those are the kinds of situations that I think we're all looking at here you know what let me throw and again like if they were in the mix things would be a lot different i always wondered if noah hannafin got to market how much buffalo would be interested yeah it's I mean, moot now but that would be that would be the one team that i'd look at and say you know if, if buffalo were, were in the mix and, and in a playoff spot here that would be the team I'd be looking. One of the teams I'd be looking at as well for Noah Hannafin. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that that's another one too. You know, they've got a lot of guys signed though already. Well, that's just it. So yeah, like they're they're a full up shop. Like we'll see what happens when they strip down a little bit in the off season. But I, I've always wondered about. I mean, going even going back to last summer uh, when the Buffalo Sabers were you know deciding on which new players to bring in and what to do with their blue line, I kind of wondered. Hmm. I wonder if there's a fit there between Noah Hannafin and the Buffalo Sabres. That's a good call. That's a good uh, call. We. By the way, I think there's. Watch. I heard there's a lot of teams going to watch Middlestat. Just. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just to see what. I don't know what's going to happen here, say. but I think there's a lot of yeah. teams watching him. Yeah, I can see, I can see that, and he's having a really good year. Yeah. He's a really good player. Yeah, like, I, Buffalo's I got a decision. They got to got to pay him, pay him, or move on. You know, Jeff, one thing about Boston, I think they're looking for a center. I think they're looking for a defenseman. They don't have picks, right? Oh, no. So, they gave away a ton last and year. I don't that's think, why I wondered if they wouldn't do anything. This yes. year. They don't have anything to give. Well, that's the thing. Like my, my feeling was how much, how often can you do this? But I had a few people that point out to me, this will be the second time I've said it, the Bruins actually have players that they can move. Um, now, there, there's a lot of whispers about Allmark. I'm really careful about this at this time of year because a lot of it becomes almost like circumstantial evidence. You know, Swayman, um, he, he played a couple games in a row. You know they like to alternate. Um you know, Swayman played four games in a row earlier this month, but three of those were when Omark was out of the lineup. Other than that, Boston goes back and forth. It's it's very rare that they change it. Um, but you know, I, I I will say this: teams out there do believe that the Bruins are trying to upgrade their roster. And all you have to do is look at what they are capable of and say, it's not coming out of the draft. Do they really want to deal their top prospects, some of whom have already played in the NHL? I don't think so. So if they want to make changes, it probably has to come off their roster. And that's why I think people are looking at Allmark. 
Now, I don't think it's impossible. He has some control. But the whole thing is, if the Bruins are trying to win the Stanley Cup, then why would you subtract from one of your greatest strengths? And the only thing I can think of there is, it's just if they, is if they get something they think is so good that they feel they just have to do it. Um, but I'd be very curious to see what that would be. You know, don't forget, Allmark has some control here. So, you know, he can say to certain situations, mm-hmm. he can say sorry. But again, at this point in time, I'm trying to figure out what they're thinking. Because I do think they're trying to upgrade. Yeah. And But they probably have to take off their roster to do it. So what do they think is a good idea or what gets something that they really think helps them? I understand the point about about the area of strength with Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman. Totally understand that. But when you're looking for pieces you can move, do you not look at that goaltending tandem and say, that's not an area of strength. That's a luxury. And when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, sometimes you have to say, you know what? This can be used somewhere else. We don't need the luxury item because we need help over there. Like, do you understand the distinction that I'm trying to make here? Like, yes, it's an area I, I of do. I, I completely. Plus, they have a really good prospect. You know, they have a really good prospect in Bussy. So, you know, you, 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 and they know him better than anybody else. So they know if he's ready for this. But yes, I completely understand. And to be honest, Jeff, I think the Bruins might see it the same way. And, and, and they're not an organization that's afraid to make those kinds of decisions. They're, they're not afraid to make hard decisions. So I, I do think you're on to something there. I, I really do. It's just a matter of, do they find something they like? Like, like a guy like Hannafin... You know, they're going to have to trade. They can't trade picks for them. They don't really have that. So, and and Boston, how many times have we talked about it? They like to trade for those guys with extensions. Yep. Hampus Lindholm. What's that going to cost you? Well, I don't think they're sending a goaltender to Calgary, with all due respect. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the last thing that Craig Conroy runs now. Another goalie. We'll see where this one goes. Hey, you mentioned Tampa a couple of seconds ago, and someone who, I'll I'll say the name, and a lot of people are going to say, well, why should we pay attention to that name? We don't know that name. Um, Steve Griggs got a pretty big promotion. Steve Griggs is the the CEO, and he got a nice little bump up, didn't he, Elliot? Yeah, so Steve Griggs uh, got a promotion today. He is now... Uh, move from CEO to chief executive officer and vice chairman. Now, uh, Steve Griggs and I have known each other a long time. When I was a student reporter at Western, uh, Steve Griggs was a, I think he was the second line center on an excellent, and if he was the first line center, I'm going to hear this. But if I remember correctly, he was the second line center on an excellent Wilfrid Laurier Golden Hawks Canadian University hockey team. Uh, a team that I, the, the year I knew him there, they went all the way to the national championship game and lost in the final to Moncton. I don't know if it was an overtime, but they lost 2-1 to Moncton in the final. They lost actually in the national championship game twice in a row the year before they lost to York. And Griggs was a really good player. He was the most hated player, definitely in (laughs) Ontario University hockey, but probably in the entire country. He oh my. he wore a cage. A lot of players went for the visors. He went for the cage. He had didn't have a full set of teeth. Uh, just drove people crazy. Great, great player. Like legitimately great player. And you know he started working. He worked for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for a while. Um, you know, really good at at his job. And uh, he rose up uh, the executive ranks. He went to Minnesota. And he went to Tampa. And because he worked for Steve Eiserman and then Julian Brisebois, 
we generally kept our friend our the fact that we knew each other quiet. I finally wrote about it in one of my blogs a few years ago, just to when he got a big promotion back then. I wished him congratulations because you know Iserman was so leak crazy that I didn't want him to know that I knew the guy for a long time. <laughs> Anyway, Steve got a big promotion. I want to wish him congratulations. And the other thing about Steve was, um, is that when the you know Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment just hired Keith Pelly to be their new president, Steve Griggs was one of the people they approached for that job. I'm pretty sure of this. And hmm. from what I understand, um, Griggs doing what he should do. He let his organization know that there was interest. And I think they just said, you're not going anywhere. You're staying here. So I'm not surprised he got the promotion. And uh, I, I think he would have been great for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. But I think it's even better for him that he's still there because he does a great job uh, for the Lightning. And I'm very happy for Steve and Julian. He doesn't tell me anything that you're up to. <laughs> All of your secrets are safe with Steve Griggs. Uh, congratulations. Okay, a few more things. Oh, by the way, did you see Garrett Rank on Thursday with the call of the uh, the call of the year for an NHL official? No, which one was that? Alexei Toropchenko had a goal disallowed, and Garrett Rank said, "You're not going to like it, but the call on the ice was correct." No, <laughs> I didn't really see well that one. It's really, really good job, Garrett Rank. Good little personality with the officials, Elliot. You love to see. Uh, it. I, I don't. See I, it. I don't mind that at all. You know. I'll tell you some other things, too, is watching on this night. I look at the Rangers, too, right now. Like, if this week is Shesterkin uh, coming back up and and showing that he's regained his form, you know, we've been talking about how Drury's looking at two players. With Wheeler Hurt, he might be looking at three. Oh, boy. And, it's like last year with the Rangers. Yeah. and and <laughs> By the end, every second trade is Drury. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, they... I, I just don't know how you can't go for it. You even with Shesterkin being oh for sure yeah. oh totally yeah e yes. even with Shesterkin struggling they're in first place in their division and they've got it's not one but they have a nice cushion there. You you have to be going for it there. Uh, all right, uh, always interesting uh, around the New York Rangers. Uh, a few more things here before we get to before we get to the Montana's thought line, um, and I get to say something to Elliot that I've wanted for years. Here it comes, Elliot. Put your head back. Here comes the drill. Um, Elliot, what's happening with the Pittsburgh Penguins? A very interesting press conference from Kyle Dubas the other day, where he kind of I don't know if he said more than he intended, but there was some. There was some fruit on the vine in this presser. There sure was. And they went out and they got Emil Benstrom, which makes them one year younger. They are one year younger. <laughs> now, hang on. One thing about Benstrom, which I always go out of my way to point out, this guy dents goalposts. This guy can shoot hard. Now, in order to get your shot off, you have to get in position. And there's other parts of the game than just shooting. But... Elliot, this guy pounds the puck. You know what? Like it's just it's it's not a huge move, obviously, Jeff. But it's 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 giving yeah. a look at someone, you know, giving a guy a chance. Um, you know, one thing about Dubis is when he looks. One of the things I often look at him is what is the player's shooting percentage and where does it stand? You know, Bemstrom's got five goals this year. He's shooting about his average, so. You know, I I, ne I never look for Dubas to acquire guys on a heater. So this guy's definitely not on a heater. So I could see him giving him a chance. Um, look, I, I, I think this. Everything that I don't like to speak for Sidney Crosby. I don't profess to speak to Sidney Crosby. But everything that, that Dubas said in that media conference tells me that he is gone to Crosby or Crosby's representatives and said, this is our plan. And he has tacit approval. I don't think he talks about, um, you know, building the team around those guys over the next four years and we're too good to bottom out or do a total rebuild. Like he wouldn't say that if he was planning on trading Sidney Crosby or he believed that Sidney Crosby would ask for a trade, right? At least that's the way I read it. 
So mm-hmm. they're going for it with this group, and he's going to try to find pieces around them. Um, the Cole Gensel thing, again, Jeff, I got to tell you, there are teams out there who still believe they're going to keep him. I don't know. I watched that press conference. It didn't sound to yeah, me like they yeah. were going to keep him. What's that? Keep keep. They believe that they'll they'll keep him and sign him, or just keep him to try to get into the playoffs. No, keep him to sign him. You're not going to okay, keep okay. him just to get to the playoffs. That's useless. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to clear up if there's any confusion amongst our listeners what you were getting at here. Keep them as their own rental, or uh, keep them to uh, to sign them. Keep them to sign them. But after after listening to that press conference, Jeff, it seems to me like they're going to trade them. Well, what it sounded like to me again, like you have to have your in any of these situations. Like you know, last week we had to have our John Davidson decoder ring on. And this week we have to have our Kyle Dubas decoder ring on. Um, it sounded very much to me like they're not going to keep doubling down on this. On what they have now, they're not going to keep doubling down on it. They're not going to blow the whole thing up. Uh, to your point about Crosby, I expect something on July 1st. Um, but I, it, it sounds very much like Dubas is not in the business of doubling down on what they have now to go for it. The, the only thing that I wonder about is... Is the like is there any other move that Dubas could make where he gets some young pieces and then says, Now I can keep Gensel? But if you heard him talk, he said he's been trying to make a trade since the All-Star break and he can't do it. Well, see this one had it's gonna hit a crescendo on uh, on March eighth on By the way, I was I was you know, playing, it- I was I was sitting down and I was like saying, Okay, what do, like Crosby can sign an extension on July first. And I, w- I was sitting down and I was like wondering what what could this look like? Okay. And? You know what I came up with? This is this is what I came up with. And again, this is purely a guess. Okay. Three times 10.5. Why three times 10.5? I, I think a three-year extension fits. You know, Crosby said he's not going to play until he's 45. And... Maybe it's going to be 10.587 and 10.5, 10 to 10.5 just seems like a fair number for him. It would make him the highest paid player on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Do you think that's important to him? I just, you know what? He's played, you know, he's signed a big deal. Last few years, he's played below market value because it's the tail end. It's one of the last few years, the tail end deals. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think they do something that says, you know, Sid, like, this is what you're worth. You know, you deserve this. That's my guess. Again, this is purely my opinion. Three times 10, three times 10.5. I don't disagree on, like, I, we can quibble about term. I don't, I don't disagree that they would sign a deal that makes them the highest paid penguin as a sign of respect. Right, because they bring in Eric Carlson and he makes more than Sidney Crosby. His AAV is larger than Sidney Crosby. Um, so I, I can see them going above uh, above Eric Carlson's contract mm-hmm. for sure. The um, you know speaking of Eric Carlson, something interesting in your notes this week at .ca. Um, again, this was a purely speculative writing in the middle of the. I'm doing a lot of speculating these days. I'm waiting for trades to happen. I'm just trying to figure out stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things you speculated about is a return to Ottawa for Eric Carlson now that Daniel Alfredson is firmly ensconced in the Senators once again. Well, look, they're looking for right-hand D, right? They they went big after Tanov, and they're still interested in Tanov. Um, the other thing, too, is that's one way Pittsburgh could get younger. Again, this is again, this is purely my speculation, but I've thought about it watching alfred's in there you know the one thing is ottawa's looking a lot better uh you know they're looking they're playing they're playing great right now yes now the the one thing is i always remember the craig simpson rule the craig simpson rule is beware of the teams that start to play well when it's over now i know some people will take issue with that but the senators aren't making the playoffs this year right so, so that's one of the things that Simmer talks about is beware of the teams that play well when you can't get in. Can I hang on? Can we, can we, pa- can we pause for that on, on one second? Yes. Because I don't disagree with that. I just have one point that I want, which, 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 is, which is where I think, because I know what Craig Simpson is saying, 
but I've always I've always looked at what Simmer talks about and and said to myself, okay, that's like March and April hockey, but it's January February, and the Ottawa well, it's almost March playing like like well it's almost March, but like these are these are the dog days. Like this isn't like I can understand like towards the end of the season, try to impress for a new contract, stay with the team, all these types of things. But when you're playing empty, cal- you know how hard it is to play empty calorie games in late January and through February. That's so hard, and Ottawa's doing it. Well, the other thing here that's really important impressive. is that Jacques Martin is trying to get them to change the way they play, right? Mm-hmm. And it's starting to look like they're getting the message. I the the thing I wonder about, and this is the big question that Steve Steos has. We know he wants to add pros. There, there's no doubt about that. But one thing about Steos is he's seen this all before. He knows what's real and he knows what a mirage is. So that's one of the other things I'm going to look at here is the, if they continue to play this well, particularly away from the puck over the last couple months of the season, one of the things I'm going to wonder about Steos is how much does he feel he needs to change? Now, I think he needs to do something on the right side. There's no question about that. And But th- that that's the X factor for me on the Senators. Because I think if things were going the same way they were a month ago, I think they could make changes. And potentially at least one significant one. But if it keeps going this way, does he say, ah, these guys have earned... Another look. You know, I, I, I think the other thing we got to talk here about this, and Ottawa fans always love the Ottawa-Toronto segues. You know, the Maple Leafs, they're in Vegas. I mean, who can believe this? They go in there and they win 7-2. to two. Matthews gets his 52nd. And all of a sudden, you know, the Toronto fans are going to be saying, add, it's time to add. You know, it, it's funny. Like, like, you look at them... And they're on a real heater right now. You know, some people said to me, well, they didn't play great teams. I hate that argument because you can only beat who's on your schedule. If they were losing to those teams, you would say, well, they stink because they're losing to these teams. And and Vegas is a very much a somebody. I look at them and like I, I still see like Matthews, for all the MVP debate, he's been on fire while they were at their most vulnerable without Riley there. I still see holes in that lineup, but boy, results matter. Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And the the thing this does is it only ratchets up the talk that you can't waste a prime year you have to go for it. Like, I really do believe a month or two ago, they were they were really wavering on, what do we go for here? Is this really a go-for-it year for us? The way this is going right now, they're going to have trouble convincing people it isn't. They really want a right-hand D in the worst way. They are, they are trying to do whatever they can to get a right hand D. And I know you guys are all going to say Tanov. They really would prefer their first rounder go not for a rental. But that's what they are scouring for is a right hand shot D. Uh, I, I, I still look around at some of the immediate competition. I still wonder. I know they're going gangbusters right now. I get it. And they're talking about MVP for Austin Matthews and don't squander a great season. How many times have we heard that around Connor McDavid and the Andre Saddle and previous to that, Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Latang. I just don't know about that one, Elliot. Okay, uh, a couple more things before I wrap up. Um, just mentioning Vegas. Are all the conspiracy theorists out there already about the Mark Stone injury? Yeah, but it's legit. Um, you know, he's got a spleen injury. And I asked a doctor friend of mine, how serious is this? And he said, well, it's not something you come back from next week. Like, it's a legit injury. Um you know, people freaked out the other day because Eichel went on LTIR. That was roster manipulation in terms of they needed to activate people like Theodore. So 
Eichel, you know, Bruce Cassidy said, I think today that he's going to, that Eichel's going to join them on the road trip. He's on schedule. He's like a week or two weeks away. But, you know, Stone, he could be out for a while and they can add. And, you know, I know people get upset about Vegas and I'm sure the league will, you know, look at the medical reports and they tend to be a lot tougher on this than they used to be. But there isn't a general manager who, w- who wouldn't do the same thing if they had the opportunity. Uh, you're in it to win the Stanley Cup and that's what they're going to try to do. And if he's out for the rest of the regular season, which with a spleen injury, it is possible. Remember, Peter Forsberg suffered one in the second round of the playoffs and you know he didn't come back to play in the stanley cup final even though he wanted to so you know like it's legit and if he can't play the rest of the regular season i have no doubt that vegas is going to want to do something um by the way speaking of vegas you've mentioned riley smith with him um i had some panther fans who remind me because i put in my notes that riley smith and the panthers um, I had some Panther fans who reminded me that when Riley Smith left, uh, he had some some tough words for the Florida fans. Look, I understand. What did we talk about last podcast with Yager? Time heals all wounds. If he comes back and helps you win a Stanley Cup, I think Guess all what? will be forgotten. <laughs> uh, I agree. Okay, let's go back to one of our favorite hit records from earlier on the season. Okay, and we'll finish up with this one. The Elias Pedersen contract, Elliot. Well, this is happening at just a wonderful time for the Canucks. They're going through their first slump of the season. And I'm not panicking on that, Jeff. Every team's going to go through slumps, and they were due. But you know who I would be panicking if I was them? Dave Pagnota. Because Rick Tockett's going to be looking and saying, this is not what we need right now. Dave, if Rift Talking sees you in a scrum, like helpful hint, go the other direction. So he reported that Pedersen had a had a $12 million offer that he he hasn't said yes to or no to. It's kind of just hanging there. Look, Jeff, this is the way I look at this. I think there's a little bit of semantics going on here. I don't have any proof that an offer was made. I'm not saying Dave is wrong. I don't have any proof of that. But what I do believe is that the Canucks have made it very clear to Pedersen that they are going to pay him a lot of money. I've heard in the 11s. I've heard in the 12s. But I don't, you know, I they're willing to do it. At the end of the day, they are willing to do it. They are simply waiting for Pedersen's go-ahead, which has not come yet. Um I've I've heard at times there was a specific number thrown this year. I I've asked the Canucks, they've denied it to me. I've asked Pedersen's representatives, they've denied it to me. It's always possible that Dave has better information than I do. I never discount that. But I wonder if we're talking about a lot of semantics in terms of concepts, in terms of an actual offer. But again, that's just semantics. The Canucks have made it clear that when Pedersen is ready to take their offer, they will make it to him. That was nice playing that old record again. So got a good beat. The kids <laughs> seem to like it. You can dance to it, tap your feet to it. We'll uh, we'll leave that conversation there. Uh, quick break. Montana's Thought Line is next. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences, People are always on the move. 
Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Welcome back to the podcast, Elliot. I'm not going to lie. I am very much looking forward to this edition of the Montana's Thoughtline. There is something that I've wanted to share with you for a long time. Like, honestly, dude, probably years, but I've never had context Great. for it. But today on the Thoughtline, I have context for it. So here we go. The Montana's Thoughtline, Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. Excited, Elliot, go. Try the ribs. 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca, 1-833-311-3232. 32thoughtsatsportsnet.ca, 1-833-311-3232. AAA from Pennsylvania. Greetings to Dom, Elliot, and Jeff. This isn't the question, by the way. It's coming up later. I'm a proud Penguins and Penn State hockey fan. Uh, get out here to State College and experience the greatness that is Hockey Valley. And with the retirement of Yarmir Yager's number, I had this thought. What would happen if the Penguins had Yager on the bench during a game and sent him out over the boards for a shift? He's not signed. He's not in the NHL. But what prevents them from abandoning all rules and sending him out there just for fun? What would happen from the league? What's the shortest contract they could sign him to if they wanted to do that (laughs) on the up and up? Thanks for humoring. You'll love this, Elliot. Thanks for humoring me. I can sense Elliot's eye roll and Jeff's excitement as I type this. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks for keeping me entertained and in the loop on all things hockey. So, Elliot, what about that stunt? Is this, is this the kind of day that this is going to be? No, you got a good one coming up, buddy. Trust me, you ain't going to get it. Trust me, you're going to love it. You're going to well, love it. Look, love I, it. I don't really have a good answer to the question because... <laughs> <laughs> I, under that scenario, I just have no idea what would it's happen. I assume player. they get fined. It's an yeah, ineligible player. Like, but my my question is: Would you forfeit the game if you use no. an ineligible player? Would you forfeit the game? I don't. But the thing is, I don't well, know. I, I don't know. Who knows? I just want everyone to know that this is the kind of stuff I have to deal with. I have to come up to legitimate answers <laughs> to these questions. Okay, let's get to uh, a voicemail then. And by it the would way, be funny to see. Like, could you just imagine if Yager just showed up on the ice? It would be pretty funny. Just showed up on the ice and just went for went for a shift. Um, okay, Triple A, thanks for that one. Let's get to a voicemail in. This is Alex in Los Angeles. Uh, quick question: After watching a couple games this weekend, if a team pulls a goalie to get an extra attacker on an existing power play, say to make it a six on four, and the power play expires, can that team? return the extra attacker to the bench and have the goalie re-enter the game without a stoppage. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Mm. Can you unpull your goalie? I thought you had to do it on a whistle. Technically, you're sort of right. The, an- <laughs> okay. the answer is, well, hang on. Let, let, me, let, me, let me go with the specifics of this one. Technically, you can. Do this. If you have a goalie who's pulled, uh, you don't have to wait for the whistle to put the goalie back on. The goalie can change on the fly. There is one exception, though. In the regular season, in overtime, you have to wait for the whistle. Other than that, you can unpull your goaltender on the fly. But a regular season overtime, you cannot. There you go. All right, then. There we go. Okay, here's another one for you, Elliot. We're going to fly through these quickly here, I feel, today. Des in Toronto. Hi, Jeff, Elliot, and Dom. If suspensions impact players' pay-per-game check, I have a question about trades. Is the NHL pay on a per-game basis? For example, if Pittsburgh trades Gensel to Vancouver. Oh, why would you suggest Vancouver? To Vancouver, they have five less games on the calendar. Would this mean that he earns less this season? At five games, this would cost him $365,000, and it might help those leaving Vancouver on the return if they get extra game checks. Essentially, it's a way of asking, how does it's it a good question. The it's a good question. You get your full pay. You get 100% of your pay. You, If you get traded somewhere and you end up playing less than 82 games, it doesn't mean you only get paid per 80 games. If you get traded somewhere and you end up playing 83 or 84 games, which has happened before, it yep. doesn't mean you get paid for more games. You get paid 82 games. 
that's how it goes. All right, Ben in Wisconsin. Hey, Jeff, Elliot, and Dom, big fan of the pod, had a question regarding a waiver wire the Nashville Predators made recently. After calling up a couple of players from the Red Hot, 17 wins in a row, as of this writing, Milwaukee Admirals. 18. They won on Thursday afternoon. And how good was was Askarov in that game? Did you see the highlights? Holy smokes. He's 13-0, and Troy Grosnick is 5-0. Oh, Askarov just looks tremendous. Okay. Um, While listening to their Monday matinee game against Manitoba, the play-by-play announcer mentioned they had sent Mark Jankowski back down on Sunday, then recalled him once again right away on Monday. I'm wondering what the reason might be for this. Was it known he would get called right back up, or did something else interfere? If this was the plan, what's the incentive for doing this move? There's always a couple of things. Number one, and I, I'm, I'm not looking at the specific situation itself, um, but I'll give you some examples of why this kind of thing happens. Nashville doesn't have cap situation to worry about. They've got plenty of room, but some teams do it for cap reasons. Some teams will do it if a player's not playing a lot and the AHL team has a game. They'll send them down. Why don't you just play the game and we'll call you back up tomorrow. Sometimes you need to get moved because, um, for example, you're only allowed to have 23 players on your roster. And even if you have cap room, if you're at the limit and you need to activate someone, you send someone down. Um, sometimes it's as simple as you send someone down, then you get an injury the next day and you say, oh, we need you again. But those are the kinds of reasons that this happens. It can be cap. It can be you're sitting at the NHL level. We want to get you get a game in. It could be we need roster space. There's all kinds of reasons that this kind of thing happens. And generally, yes, the player is aware that that's what the team is doing. Excellent. Now, the question that brings me to something I've wanted to share with you and by extension, our audience for a long time. Nick from Grand Rapids, go Griffins. Here's what Nick says. As someone who wears glasses, I just wanted to know if anyone in the NHL has subpar eyesight like myself. Do all the other players have perfect eyesight or are there guys rocking contacts slash LASIK? You see some goggles out there in basketball and baseball. So was just wondering about the NHL boys. Uh, also, Jeff, if you feel like doing some research, are there any guys from old time hockey who rocked the glasses on the ice? Thanks boys. And take care. I would imagine contacts, contacts for sure. Yes. Contacts for sure. And I think Lasix is a thing. Um, I remember years ago for, uh, my old headline sports days, I did a story on it among golfers. It was Mm. very, very big in the golf world. And I think there were some Major League Baseball pitchers who did it too. If I'm I'm not mistaken, Greg Maddox was one. He used to wear glasses, and I think he got Lasix instead. So this is a thing. It it does happen. Um, In terms of NHL players who wear glasses, the one everybody kind of remembers is Al Arbor. He was the one who wore glasses uh, on the ice. Um, But yes, contacts, Lasix, all that stuff does happen. Okay, let me pick up on your Al Arbor example, because that's the one you're right that everyone keys in on. Because, you know, he played in the NHL for a long time. He's a legendary figure, one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Hal Laco of the Boston Bruins, he of the the incident that started the Richard riots, Hal Laco wore glasses. Uh, Steve Carlson of Hanson Brother fame, uh, when he played in the WHA with Minnesota and New England, he wore glasses. Now, he played in the NHL with Los Angeles, but I don't know if he ever wore glasses with the Kings. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Someone will be able to tell me. Um, Tim Horton probably should have because the guys used to call him Magoo uh, because his eyesight was really poor. But Tim Horton probably should have worn glasses, too. But here's the thing that I've wanted to share with you for quite some time, Elliot. Okay. In the 1930s, the first player ever to wear glasses in the NHL. You know what his name was? Is it something that's like specs or something like that? You're pretty close, bud. The first player to ever wear glasses in the NHL, who was also the second player to ever win the Calder Trophy. 
His name was Russ Blinko. I'm not making it up. Russ Blinko was the first player to wear glasses in the NHL. That's one. That was a good a payoff. I, I have to tell you, of all the places this could have gone, that's actually not bad. That was a good payoff. Of the Montreal Maroons, bless you, Russ Blinko, the first to wear glasses in the NHL. Nick from Grand Rapids, thanks for providing the context for us to blast off that bit of information on the Montana's Thought Line. Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. We're back in a moment. Ah, Elliot, yet another start to another week. Now, other than the 32 Thoughts podcast, there's eh, not much else really to look forward to. Jeff, you are forgetting about Montana's Daily Deals. Their chicken wings are double dusted in-house, cooked to a golden crispy finish, and they're half price on Mondays. Uh, Half price? Half price every Monday and sauced however you like them. Well then, head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar for half price wings every Monday. The only other thing exciting about Mondays. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. Elliot, very much looking forward to another Saturday and Hockey Night in Canada. Before we get there, a couple of things. Uh, I don't know what was nicer. Uh, the Dylan Larkin play that led to the Pat Kane overtime winner, Detroit over Colorado 2-1, to one, or the Pat Kane goal itself. Um, maybe we just say they're both beautiful and leave it at that. Do you have a thought on the Detroit Red Wings right now? The one thing about Steve Eiserman is last summer... He acted like a general manager who's got to make the playoffs. Agree or disagree? Yeah, but I kind of thought he did that the summer before, too. I look at that as sort of two summers of Steve Eisenman saying, okay, let's hit fast forward here. To me, when you do it once, it's we got to get better. We got to plug holes until the young kids are ready and we got to get better. When you do that twice in a row, like he did the last mm, two summers, yeah. it struck me as I better start making the playoffs here. Like, I, it's very hard to, for me to imagine Steve Eiserman in any kind of pressure. Like, I, like <laughs> I just wonder, like, when someone tries to pressure Eiserman, does he just look at you and say, hey, I'm Steve Eiserman. I don't feel pressure. Get lost. Like, I do wonder if he just says that to people. But, the way he did his job last summer said to me that he felt pressure to make the playoffs. And now they're six points up. Uh, their points percentage has them in. Um, you know, they're they're in a good spot. You know, the other thing too is like their goal differential plus 16. Um, that's That's a really good goal differential especially for a team that's kind oh, yeah. of on the like the wild card cusp that's a really good number the only weirder number this year is Pittsburgh being plus 14 and being where they are like that is really strange you don't see that very often so that says to me Detroit is a good team right they're they're mm-hmm. when you're plus 14 you're a good team and and I'm sitting there and I'm wondering, I don't know if it makes any sense for him to give up futures or anything like that. I, I, I like you're not trying to necessarily win the Stanley Cup this year, but and also it's Iserman, so God only knows what he's thinking. But I, I just look at him and I say, if you can pick up term pieces here, if term pieces are available, what's he looking at out there? You know, I wonder about um, when it comes to the Detroit Red Wings, how much they're looking at goaltending. Lyon's done a great job for them. He's been, listen, for the second year in a row, he's been the, like, for the second year in a row, he may be the reason a team that was on the outside gets in. Last year with the Florida Panthers, this year with the Detroit Red Wings. I'm with you. And man, if you want to talk about value contracts in the NHL, Elliot, 
It's a great one. It's one of the best in the league. One of the what the performance has done uh, for those teams. Man, he has been phenomenal for the Detroit Red Wings. You, you know who I wondered for Detroit? What's that? Gensel. With an extension. But, but, you recognize they're going to have to pay Cider. Yes. Who's having a big breakout year? Who's having a big breakout year? Well, Lucas Raymond's played really yes. well. Yes. So you're going to have to take care of him too, and you're happy to take care of the guys you've drafted. You know, their left side, Debrinkit, Rasmussen, Perron, Fabry. I don't know. I, I think Jake Gensel could look pretty good there. But to me, it only makes sense for Detroit to do that with an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a lot of spitballing on this pod. This is where I really get myself right. into trouble. Nah, that's okay. Everyone just and no one's really listening by this time. We were we're we're pretty deep into the podcast. Everyone's tuned out or fall falling asleep. You know, someone's got this podcast. We're we're talking to people's pets by this time. We're talking to people's dogs uh, at this point in the podcast. Uh, Daniel Sprong, by the way, has 15 goals. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. Daniel Sprong again, fourth line, 12 minutes a night, 15 goals, 35 points. Just putting it out there. Um, Seattle Kraken. So as we're recording this right now, the Kraken are playing the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, right now it is two to one Seattle. Um, I'm of the belief. Let me know what you think about this. That these next four games. So tonight's Vancouver game, Minnesota, Boston, Pittsburgh. By the end of this month, Ron Francis will have made up his mind, or rather, had his mind made up for him mm-hmm. about what he's doing at deadline. Agree, disagree. I I agree with that. I I still think they're going to try to sign Everly. Um, I, I, again, I, I really believe the issue there could be term. Um, I, I think they're going to, like, if, if it's, I, I think there's going to be a limit to what the Kraken are willing to do term wise. I could see Tatar getting flipped again. Um, but, um, I really, I, I also th- still think regardless of how they're doing, I think they could try to sign Eberly. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if those conversations are are going on right now. Do you ever thought about Alexander Wenberg? Like one of the things that I wonder about here is, you know, if they're in, he's not going anywhere. But if they're out, I mean, I think we all look at that spot that he's in and say, eventually, not that he's just a placeholder for him, but eventually, I think in Ron Francis's mind, that's Shane Wright's spot. It's Matt Benier's first line center, Shane Wright second line center. But I do wonder about Venberg here. Do you? Well, Larry Brooks wrote that Venberg is on the Rangers radar and Larry's got a pretty good pipeline in the, in that organization, right? Yep. He's actually played pretty well. He's not um I don't think he ever became what people hoped he would become, but he's had mm-hmm. a pretty good season. Hey, Here's another one. I wanted to, again, here we are spitballing at the end of a podcast. If the Seattle Kraken are out of it, I think we've all done this sort of like, hey, let's look up and down the roster and and see who's available and what can you get. Given how this guy is a quote unquote playoff performer, we've seen him do it before. He has term. What kind of market do you think there would be for Yanni Gord? Oh, I I think there'd be a, a big market for him. I've heard teams have asked about him and been told no. I, I it, it wouldn't surprise me. I just wonder, like, if if these next four games don't go well for the Seattle Kraken, I wonder about Venberg, and I think I do wonder about Yanni Gord as well. Just because you know how everybody gets about, we're going to the playoffs, and these are the kind of guys that we need. Anyhow... We'll, uh, we'll leave that one there. Uh, coming up on Saturday, Elliot, outside of uh, Good the games. intermission headlines feature, we got great games. Colorado Avalanche facing off against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Elliot, what also, a weird schedule, the by the Road. way, for Colorado. At home, <laughs> oh, Detroit. No yes, I know. And then back home. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a schedule. Uh, the Boston Bruins taking on the Vancouver Canucks. Cannot think of any storylines there, either historic or recent. 
Um, and the Vegas Golden Knights facing off against the Ottawa Senators to say nothing of the Battle of Alberta, the Edmonton Oilers facing off against the Calgary Flames. All the action gets underway with Hockey Central at 6.30 Eastern with your host, Ron McLean. Okay, enough of our yakking. Uh, we're going to zip it for a while, but we are back Monday morning with another edition of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Have a great weekend. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences... People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.